Good evening, North Bullet Christian Church. Uh, my name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we want to welcome you with us. Uh, for those of you watching us on Facebook, uh, to our Good Friday gathering as we remember the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, hopefully, you've been following along in your Bibles with us in uh, Luke chapter 23. We're following his account uh, of the events leading up to the death of Christ, and we're going to be focusing in on verses 44. Uh, to 49 this evening. So if you could turn there, and as you turn there, I'm going to pray for us uh, for our time together. God, we do love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, we thank you for an evening that we can come, that we can gather virtually, that we can remember your sacrifice. Lord, we come to you with, with somber hearts this evening. We come to you with, with nothing but our sin, and you give us your love. God, we remember tonight the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. God, we celebrate that. And we have thankful hearts for what you accomplished. Lord, let our hearts be continually transformed as we remember this sacrifice. And we bring glory to you. Through the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Luke 23:44 says this It was now about the 6th hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said Father into your hands I commit my spirit and having said this he breathed his last now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Says the word of the Lord. Sin. It's a word that we shy away from so often in our modern culture. Our society often wrinkles their, their nose and disgust towards this very word, and unfortunately, this word remains all but absent from the vocabulary of many a pulpit that dot the landscape of our Western culture. Uh, but sin is the reason we gather this evening, the evening that we call Good Friday, the night we spend in remembrance of the death of Christ because of what? Our sin. Good Friday begins with sin. Uh, but what is sin? We want to define that so that we have clarity. Theologian J.I. Packer defines sin in this way. And I quote, he says, Rebellion against God's rule. Missing the mark God set us to aim at. Transgressing God's law. Disobeying God's directives. Offending God's purity by defiling oneself and incurring guilt before God the judge. And as you sit and watch this evening, there's not one human on the face of the planet that is not guilty of this, of sin, is not guilty of the things that Packer describes. Packer defines God as judge. 
And as judge, he must be this. He must be just. One of the attributes of God is that he is a just God. Because if he's not just, then he ceases to be the judge. Therefore, as the judge, God must deal with that word we just talked about, sin. God desires to reconcile to himself a people for his glory, not because he needed anything, but because of his great love. He desires to reconcile a people to himself. And he does it through this, through this action, through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to this event that we gather around this evening, the cross. And we learn that upon his death, as the passage we just read says, darkness fell over the whole earth. Darkness. Luke says this, it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. The whole land, meaning the entire earth upon the death of Christ was dark. Why? Because the light of the world was dead. And why is his death important? Because of that word, the severity of sin. The severity of sin was dealt with by a death sentence. If we go back to Genesis, God cursed the sin of Adam and Eve with the curse of death. But God, in his love, provided a way to life. But it cost him the life of his son. The Old Testament prophesies of a day when darkness will come over the land at an unexpected time. Amos 8 9 says this, and on that day declares the Lord God, what I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. And that is what is going on right here. We're confronted with that moment. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, is no more. The servant king of God has died. And with a crash of words, this happens. The veil or the curtain was torn. The curtain torn. Just as it was at his baptism, when the heavens were ripped open, as Jesus came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, the temple veil is ripped in two. God's word says this, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. This is the inner curtain. In the temple, an inner curtain separated the place of God's dwelling. We know this place as the Holy of Holies. And it was separated from the rest of the temple. The priest could only enter once a year and only with sufficient sacrifice. But here in this moment, upon the death of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, in his ultimate sacrifice, his sufficient sacrifice, his once and for all sacrifice, he rips the veil from top to bottom. Through his death, this word comes about, intercession, Intercession is accomplished. What is intercession? Access to God. Access to 
the holy of holies is open. And not just to one priest once a year, but available for all of humanity, relationship with God through this, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. In this passage, a declaration is made. We know who Jesus is. And if you've been following along in our series through the Gospel of Mark, you know that each and every week we've, we've seen Jesus command early on in this Gospel the silence of who He is. He doesn't want his, Him to be known yet, His identity as the Savior, as the Son of God. He's commanded silence. But here is a proclamation of who Jesus is. God's Word says this, When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breast. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. The Gospel of Mark records it this way. It says, And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he says these words, Truly this man was the Son of God. No longer can his purpose be masked. No longer the silence, the darkness over the land has revealed that the light of the world has given up his life. And the curtain is torn. The chasm is bridged. Sin has been atoned for. And the proclamation goes forth. The whole world knows who Jesus Christ is. It cannot be hidden any longer. And we learn through his sacrifice that not even sin can hold us back from this good news, the great love of God. Not even sin can hold us back from the great love of God. Good Friday, we may begin with sin. We focused on that word just a few minutes ago. But we don't stay there. Because the story ends with the love of God that we find in Jesus Christ, that he did this. That for you, that he came in perfect obedience. He came fulfilling the law perfectly. He came in perfect relationship with God. And he willingly laid down his life. The penalty of sin was so great, the wrath of God was poured out on Christ at the cross. He was judged. He was beaten. His flesh was ripped apart from his body. And he dragged the crossbeam to his cross to the hill we know as Golgotha. And he was nailed to the cross and his blood was shed and Jesus died because of his love for you and his desire to reconcile people to his Father. Because Jesus loves you, he dealt 
with your sin. There's no greater love than that. John 15, 12 to 17 says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Hear this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus says this, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should, should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Verse 13 again, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That is what Jesus has done for you, Christian. Why would God do such a thing? Why would he die for his enemies? We learn from God's word that apart from Christ, we are the enemies of God. Why? Why would he do this? Because there is no greater love than he who would what? Lay down his life for his friends. Through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, your identity has been changed. Your identity has been changed from sinner or enemy of God to friend of God through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. You've been moved. Once an enemy of God, now through the death of his son, you are considered a friend. Why? Because your sin is covered by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Sin dealt with because of the great love of God through, giving, through the giving of his son on the cross. A close friend of mine was radically saved by Jesus in his early 20s. He was an atheist at the time. And he wasn't just any ordinary atheist, if there's an ordinary atheist, but he was uh, somewhat militant in his approach. Uh, he was loud and boisterous about his opinions of God or lack thereof. And yet God completely transformed his heart in an instant. One of the first phone calls that he made after his, his conversion, his radical transformation through Jesus Christ was to me. You see, I was uh, this young man's youth pastor a few years prior. He had rejected the faith along the way, but God was not done with him. God was not done with him. And he penned this poem that I want to share with you this evening. It's called Peasant King says, they thought they killed a peasant. Instead, they crowned a king. He walked the perfect lamb. No objection did he sing. What king is this who takes upon himself the grieves of us? The ones who esteemed him not, not the ones who placed him at the top. Except at the top of Golgotha, atop that middle-placed cross. I'm at a loss of wor for words as I turn through Isaiah 53 where so agonizingly I see my iniquities crushed the only one who ever lived righteously. My transgressions pierced his flesh, and in trade 
He poured His Spirit out on me. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. They made His grave with the wicked, and by a rich man was His death. Why is not His name upon my every breath? It only goes to show that only He knows the depth, the depth of my depravity. Only God could see my desperate, starving need. Only God can see the sins I bury deep down inside of me. That's why it took the full expression of His love to satisfy, satisfy His wrath on sin. Perfect, holy, just. And just as I have nothing of my own to boast in me, I see no reason for His choosing me. If He had not first known me, I would never had heard His call. I would certainly be dead ignorant and hardened in my heart. This is hard because now he calls me justified and on the last day glorified in the triumphant return with Emmanuel and his saints. At first my pride is hurt. It breaks at the realization that salvation is of the Lord and not by my own accord, but his word like a sword cuts through to my soul and puts me at the cross. It shows me my sin and assures me I'm not lost. Through grace, by faith, my trust is all in Him. Now is the time for work to bring fruition to the goal of His redemptive mission by His Word. To tell the world that Jesus lives with the promise that His sheep will turn to Him for eternal life and forgiveness of their sins. Jesus as your bride we loudly sing, Holy, holy, holy is He, our resurrected peasant King. That's what Jesus does. He transforms a life that stands in opposition and rebellion and sin and rejection and He comes into hearts and He transforms because there's no greater love than the love of Jesus Christ. And Jesus proved that there's no greater love because He went to the cross for you. And I want your heart to be pierced this evening. It's really one of the only evenings as, as a follower of Christ that we just want to sit and be under the weight of our sin and realize the depth of our depravity and the great love of Jesus that bridged the chasm for us. We remember His sacrifice tonight. We feel the weight of sin as we gaze upon the cross of Christ. We know good news awaits in just a few days. But tonight we let the weight rest on our shoulders as we reflect on what it cost our Savior to atone for our sin. It cost Him His life. I want to invite the band to come back to the stage. They're going to close us out in a song this evening. And I want to invite you, as you're watching this at home, to gather your elements for communion, cracker or bread and juice. We remember this tonight as we reflect on the sacrifice of Christ in receiving the Lord's Supper. What a fitting evening 
of all evenings to receive the Lord's Supper, to receive communion on the night that we remember the sacrifice of Christ. Paul instructs in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, he says this, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said this, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup. And after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So church, I invite you in this evening. With hearts that are heavy, with the weight of sin, you see, it wasn't the Romans who nailed him to the cross or the Jews who nailed him to the cross, but it was each and every one of us and the sin that we brought to the cross that God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ and that full atonement is given for those who will place their faith and trust in His finished work. And so as we gather virtually, as we come together to receive communion together this evening on this Good Friday, let us cast away sin. Let us repent. Let us turn away. Let us investigate our hearts. Let us look into our souls. Let us lift our eyes to God through the intercession of Jesus Christ. And be thankful for His sacrifice that we don't have to receive the wrath of God, but through faith in the finished work of Jesus, we are saved. Let your hearts cry out to God this evening as we sing these words. Let us pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the great sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the atonement that we receive, the covering of our sin through his sacrifice, that you see us as your friend, not your foe. God, we're thankful. God, we repent of sin, we flee, we confess, and we hand it over to you. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that covers us. God, give us hearts this evening as we sit in living rooms and dining rooms or on back patios that we can stand and declare these words that Jesus paid it all. That Jesus paid the price for our sin. We pray these things through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.